you know, the, I kind of live by saying, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away, you know. From the mouth breathers to the idiots, from TV to print, this is the Entitled Podcast Network, and this is Entitled Weekend. And welcome to Entitled Weekend. It's been a long time since we've had a pod, and we, we didn't even do a pod after the win last week, but uh, we're doing one after the Chiefs' loss, and I, I'm i not really surprised at this result, but it's not about the result that we're going to talk about, although a lot of what transpired in the game is pretty much what the first topic is going to be about, and Bill, I want to start with you because Tom Brady had a comment that he made on the Stephen A. Smith show, one of one of those talking head shows that he has. And I think his comments um, are pretty indicative of what we saw today and what we've been seeing throughout the entire season. So I want to play this clip first and then get your overall response to it and to the game, which was, you know. It is what it was. So here's the clip right here. I, I think there's a lot of mediocrity in today's NFL. Yeah. I don't see the excellence that I saw in the past. Why not? And hope. Why not? I think the coaching isn't as, as good as it was. I don't think the development of young players is as good as it was. The rules have allowed a lot of bad habits to get into the actual performance of the game. Mm -hmm. So I just think the product, in my opinion, is less than what it's been. I think I look at a lot of players like Ray Lewis and Rodney Harrison and Ronnie Lott and guys that impacted the game in, in a certain way, and every hit they would have made would have been a penalty. Mm. You hear coaches complaining about their own player being tackled and not necessarily, why don't they talk to their player about how to protect himself? We used to work on the fundamentals of those things all the time. Now they're trying to be regulated all the time. Offensive players need to protect themselves. It's not up to the defensive player to protect the offensive player. A defensive player needs to protect themselves. I didn't throw the ball to certain areas because I was afraid players were gonna get knocked out. Mm -hmm. That's the reality. Wow. I didn't throw it to the middle when I played Ray Lewis because you knock him out of the game and I couldn't afford to lose a good player. Yeah, so uh, that that's his that's his um thoughts on the league. What about yours, Bill? Yeah, I mean, largely I can't disagree, but I think he he missed a key point and it's the NBAification of the NFL. <laughs> It's, I mean, we saw it today and, and it's honestly with large part, I don't even mean to call out Travis Kelsey saying this, but the flop in the end zone is very indicative of where the league is today. You're at times you're no longer taking the shot to get the catch You're or to, you know, in the NBA, you're not taking the shot to get the, you know, to hit the basket. You're, you're taking that shot downfield or shot towards the basket to get the foul call because everything is so subjective to these referees at this point so you know i don't know i'm not going to pretend i know as much about as brady does about how things were coached up and what have you and and all of that but yeah if people aren't protecting the other players in the league rules are being made i don't necessarily disagree with player safety rules being created but it tells you that there's a lot of really dumb quarterback play and a lot of really dumb 
you know, placement of the ball or inaccurate placement of the ball that's happening for if it's becoming such a problem to throw over the middle that now they have to take the heavy hits out of the game. It's it's so now the players that are the best at doing it are using the rules to their advantage. Now, can I complain about that? No, good players are going to understand how to manipulate the rules that are in play. And we've seen that happen with a lot of things. I mean, I think that, you know, even the manipulation of the media is part of that. Uh, You know, I think there were several instances today where it was, you know, and the Patriots aren't out here scratching and clawing for a playoff spot. So it's not to say that, like, oh, my God, we got screwed. But you look at some of the calls today, and I would say that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, with their $150,000 collectively in fines, made good business decisions getting those fines because the referees had a real good whistle for them today that reduced some opportunities for the Patriots to stick around in the game longer. So it's now a game where you're lobbying to the refs before the game. It's now a a situation where a, a quarterback that falls to the ground can tap his face mask and act as if he's been hitting it like Josh Allen did in the Buffalo game today. He was not hitting the face mask, but he tapped it as if he was, and he got the flag. And so there's just these consistent things that are happening, and I think the root of all of it comes down to two points. The ref show and the refs being some of the worst professional referees that you can imagine. Like, it's gotten worse, not better, with the referees. And the second point is worse quarterback play. When you look at the quarterbacks that are here today, if you were to put them in 2010, I'm not sure that anybody sands Patrick Mahomes and maybe when he's you know on his game, Josh Allen is breaking into the top four or five quarterbacks in 2010. I don't know that I put him in front of Aaron Rodgers at that peak of his powers. I certainly don't put him in front of Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, or Drew Brees. You know, at at certain points, you might be talking about Philip Rivers might be in that mix. Um, that's Ben Roethlisberger territory. Like, there's an argument to be made that like Patrick Mahomes would be in that mix, and outside of that, nobody else would be considered in the top six quarterbacks in the NFL. And so that tells you that there's been quite a, a deterioration of both high level play, but also the depth of play. Look at who is starting games this year across the NFL. There's just there's just four quarterback play, a couple of average guys, and then your guys at the top. Um, I would say maybe the exception to the rule is Brock Purdy. He might be like more that above average guy, a little like, like you know, sort of that Kirk Cousins type feel from a couple of years ago. Um, I think Kirk has actually played better. You know, obviously sands the Achilles injury this year, but I think he's actually played some of his best ball in recent years and would be in that, you know, top 10, 12 category. But Purdy is that guy who could develop into more, could develop into a star, is looking really good, um, sort of following the trajectory of somebody like, you know, not to be Brady, but like Brady, um, who started out mm-hmm. as a late round draft pick. He was obviously Mr. Irrelevant, which people never stopped talking about, and worked his way up to this starting role and is now like pretty inarguably a top 10 guy um, this season. But I don't know if that's because he is that much better than most quarterbacks will be or if that's because of the number of injuries, or if that's because the quarterback play has just gone down the toilet. Um, but there's really a, a, a larger discrepancy of have and have nots than there has ever been in terms of quarterbacks. 
And when you have that plus referees who don't understand how to call penalties on the field anymore, it it's a problem. The, the, the play suffers, the quality of what you're watching suffers. It's all in all a pretty uh, disappointing season in regards to the quality of what we're seeing Patriots performance aside, like leaving the, yeah. my Pats fandom out of it. It's just not the best product. Yeah. We, I, I'd be saying this if the Patriots were 10 and three or, 10, Oh yeah. Yeah. 10, you know, I'd be saying the same thing. It, it's, I can't, any team doesn't really pop out to me. Maybe the only team is San Francisco where I can say that they've been pretty much consistent throughout the season as a top team, but Vinny Jason, um, professional emailer of the entitled podcast network is here with us too. Um, like, like we've been saying, everything about the NFL is awful. I mean, the officiating, the, it, but the, like Bill said, the NBA, I would say even the WWE ification of the league. And I love WWE. It's sports entertainment, but that's what it is. It's sports entertainment. This is supposed to be just sports. And I know it's entertainment, but it's just the constant, the, the, the soap opera storylines, the, the, it's all about the pop and circumstance and the hype. It's, but now, but that's aside. Now the game itself is bad too. So where do you fall on this? Is, are you, are you with us on this or are you enjoying everything? Personally, I love when uh, uh, teams score touchdowns and do a five minute elaborate conga line in the end zone. That before they blow a two touchdown lead that I love that. Um, no, um, if anyone doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about, that's what the dolphins did on Monday night, by the way. Uh, no, I, I don't like it. I don't like what I'm watching, but the, the thing is I'll be back because the thing about football is it's here for a little bit then it's gone for seven months. So, you know, you only have a little bit of it. So yeah, I'm, I'm still going to, drink up that slop it is getting worse i i think we don't have a middle class of quarterbacking anymore um 10 years ago our middle class was andy dalton and matt saab uh, tony romo and it's like okay you can live with that now your middle who's your middle class now and i think teams i i think the only quarter uh, coaches i could see making do with a middle class uh, quarterback now. I think Sanan deserves a lot of credit with Purdy, but I think the coaching has gone down the wayside because it's gone into, you say it's the WWE if a case and it's the NBA if a case. And I think it's the loss of balance. It's the loss of, it's the depletion and value in, anything that's not a skill position. It is a wide receiver driven league. It is not an offensive lineman driven league. It is not a, a, a safety driven league. There's no balance anymore. And I look at like the media pumping up Mike McDaniel, who I do think has his redeeming qualities is he's a good play caller. And I don't mean that as an arm care guy. I do think he does know in the moment what, play to call but i think that is all the crux of where one of the reasons why the nfl is where it is is 
coaches are no longer important anymore with the with advanced analytics taking over the game because in baseball it used to be now this is probably way before me and you baseball you know the the, the yankees are going to beat the orioles because billy martin's a better manager than earl weaver and i'm sure people had those conversations and then analytics comes around and says it doesn't fucking matter who your manager is it really doesn't and basketball does the same thing where it used to matter who your coach was now it doesn't and i think with football it always mattered who your coach was but now analytics has taken over where it's the lie that's become true it doesn't matter who your coach is and mike mcdaniel seems to be you know the the harbinger of doom where he's not even son mcveigh kyle sanahan where hey at least he built this team you know he he did the heavy lifting I don't think he did nothing of the sort. He he's he is a front office picked guy to listen to the analytics for a team that's already there. Like they give him a play seat and say, "This is what you do, and these are the plays you're going to call. Call them in whatever order you want, but you know your coaching starts and ends here." And I don't. You know, like, where are the Mike Holmgrens? Where's the Mike Sanahans? Where's the the actual coaches? And I think they're a dying breed. I think there is a good argument to be made where the game is heading. You know, we're just going to be an algorithm league, you know, and it takes a lot of the love out. Um, and that's where I really land. I don't like what I'm seeing because I want to see balanced football. I don't want to see just – uh, marching bands up and down the field 50 to 49. I think, and a lot of things, I, I hate to be the guy who gets mad at fans because I'm sure that's mean, but I think our ability to appreciate good defense has gone out the window too. I think we look at a, a 16 to 20 game and we, we, we grimace and we go, oh, must have been incompetent football. And I don't know how we view it, how we consume it how we talk about it, it gets worse. And I think what Brady's saying is right, is, you know, you at some point you have to come to terms that this is a very brutal, painful game where people go in and they're not the same and it affects how they live. And that's very sad. And I want to help those people. But the problem is even with all these rules in place, you're still getting people popped. You know, we've had so many quarterback injuries this year and people are getting like rocked. And it's like, and some penalties are not being called. Like Demario Douglas got clothesline. That's straight out of WWE. And there was no call. You know, it's the inconsistencies in that form that, that always bugged me. And, and I just, this is not a game that is in, that is balanced, consistent, it doesn't coach anymore. I think it's a fantasy football league now. And it's I'm almost done. It it's getting it's getting worse, but I'll still be here on Sunday, sadly, because I have nothing better to do. Jack, oh, let me ask I, you a question. Um, I was gonna say I have things better to do. I'll tell you what, if 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 uh the Patriots get rid of Bill Belichick, then yeah, I'll have something better to do. Oh, I, I'll, I I'll be I'll be a Chargers fan. He's going to the Chargers, and I'm going to be rooting for them. No, no fucking yeah. way he's retiring. 
Yeah, Shaq, let me ask you a question because I think this is really what I like the microcosm. I think what we're all talking about with quarter the quarterback play aspect in like the Brady Manning Roethlisberger era. Where were you ranking Matt Stafford in your quarterbacks? Um, <laughs> um, not in the top, but as far as career wise or like no, best... no just like year to year if you were like drafting quarterbacks roughly what number do you have him at like 20 or maybe lower than that yeah i probably i mean i probably have him a little bit high i probably have him like 10 to 13 i mean okay. speaking of speaking of fantasy like like, listen, fantasy football is not real life, but it used to be a dig on him to say he was just a fantasy football quarterback. He would mm-hmm. get the points. <laughs> you'd get the points you needed to win because they'd be garbage time stats, but he wouldn't get you what you needed when you actually had a chance to win. Uh, I mean, so I, now, Roma, so now oh, sorry, today, so now today, where do you put him? <laughs> Ten years older, where do you put him? I have a hard time putting him. I have a hard time not putting him top eight, top seven. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. And and he's ten years older behind a shoddier offensive line. Like he had an incredible year two years ago. But like, are we putting him outside like top eight nine at this point? Definitely not. So Matt Stafford is the same guy, just older, but he's ranked higher than he's ever been. In terms of your quarterback, you would draft to win you a game today. Older, older, and worse. Older, <laughs> worse. And I'm not, I'm not even sure I'd say worse. Even if he's older and the same, it's you know he people looked at him like a dome merchant when he was with Detroit, mm-hmm. and it now you're I mean you're you're picking Mahomes, Allen, Burrow if he's healthy. Lamar Jackson. I have a hard time putting Trevor Lawrence over him, but that might be close. Um, may, like Brock Purdy, probably depends on the scheme. But like you're you're, you're going to have a hard time finding eight guys. Uh, no, I I mean uh, I'm trying to think of this. Like, what? Well, would you have? Would you want Derek Carr over him? Absolutely not. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think. Nope. There's nobody. There's nobody in the NFC South you'd want. No. I I, I can't in good conscience put Tua over him. No. 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 God, there's. No. Yep. Uh, Hertz. Yeah, Hertz goes over him. Hertz. Yeah, Hertz goes over him. So that's one of the other two. Dak goes over him. That's Whoa. that's probably the other one. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, you're probably right. But. Uh... You know, Jordan Love, not yet, maybe in a year. Um, but it's just Fields, no. Like, you go through Murray. Geno Smith, no. Kyler Murray, no. You've got eight guys. He's eighth. Yeah. yeah. And and he wasn't, he wouldn't be top 15, top 20 if we did this. And when he, like 2014, when he was better, you know, and younger, uh, yeah. he wasn't. You know, he wasn't top eight then. He was in the Kirk Cousins zone. 
So and... that's your that's your barometer to tell you quarterback play is worse. It's not, you know, a, a guy who was 10 to 13 or worse is now in the top eight. That the, the depth of your quarterbacks got worse. And and that's with every rule in favor of the offense. And the reason for that is exactly what Brady's talking about. I'm sorry, Shaq. I know I I, I jumped in. No, you good. But that's it. It's exactly what it's exactly what Brady was talking about because the rules have favored the quarterbacks to such an extent. They've gotten lazy in their development. They know they can throw over the middle and it's not going to be a problem. They can do all these things. They get into bad habits because the rules have dictated that they can get away with it. And I mean, even in today in the broadcast for the Chiefs game, you heard it. Oh, this offense does things that they tell you never to do when they coach you. Like it's a compliment. And Mahomes can get away with it because Mahomes can put the ball exactly where he intends it to be. As much as I will say that he did not put a particularly good look on last week, we all know he can put the ball right where he wants it to be. He can keep his guy safe and do the unpredictable thing. But if you try to coach to doing the unpredictable thing, you're, you're cooked. Because unless you have the best quarterback on the planet, you are going to put players in a bad position. You're going to get people hurt. It leads to ref's jurisdiction on whether there's a flag and it just becomes a poor product overall because your root fans start rooting for the flag over the play. You know, the players start looking for the flag over the play. It's terrible. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I want speaking of, of the quality of the league uh Part of the reason why the quality of of the league and the quality of the fan base of the entire NFL is so misinformed is because of people like this who feel like they know more or not even that they know more, that they can be in the league or that they should be in the league, but they're not in in some sort of coaching capacity, but they're not because, you know, they have websites that are, you know, Ponzi schemes. To... to just see what they somebody else had to say i think is uh jt o'sullivan whoever does qb school on on uh he does his youtube videos he breaks down quarterbacks he was very critical of mac jones like i watched his bailey zappy assessment after i was done and 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 he agreed he he basically had the same assessment so yeah so um greg bedard is the exact same as an nfl pro quarterback that, that that's what i get from that clip so that that going in is what that tells you the arrogance of these people and how disconnected from the world that they are. But but they are so connected with each other that they believe each other. And so this entire day has been, well, actually not even the day, this entire week has been filled with breaking news. Oh my God, breaking news. Breaking news, Bill Belichick's fate can be decided soon or maybe later, and it could be imminent or it could take longer. Who knows? It, it's just been unbelievable um, state of affairs as far as this media is concerned. And the worst culprit is not Tom Curran, um, but our buddy Sal gave me a, a good clip of Tom Curran that the next time we pod, we'll have to go into detail with this because it's just an unbelievable clip. But... This is Albert Breer, the same guy who <laughs> he watches football on his couch. He's not invited to the games. 
He's not invited to anything. Yet and still, he, first of all, goes on television and says this. Crap, we talked about it earlier in the show, how he feels about Gerard Mayo. Now, mm -hmm. in turn, what have you heard about some reports that the coaching staff, some members of the coaching staff are, are, are you know, rubbed the wrong way by Mayo's uh, uh, behavior in the building, his, his uh, maybe his knowledge that he's got the job next and he's coming off as arrogant or entitled or whatever it is. What's your take on that? Which, first of all, that what a leading stupid question. Where, where has there been any evidence of this? None. So that's a leading question that has no basis in reality. But let's hear what Breer has to say. Well, actually, what he has to lie. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go that far. Um, you know, I don't think that that's really what it is. It's a weird time in, in that organization right now. I mean, I, the way it's been described to me over the last few weeks is basically you have one guy at the very top of the masthead, right? Like, and that's Bill Belichick. And he's operating like nothing's wrong. He is running his Friday draft. Oh, so basically he's operating like normal, like business as usual, you know, uh, as he's always done for 24 years. What a shock. Meetings. He's talking about which coaches are going to get extensions after the year. Everything as if he's going to be there in 2024. Meanwhile, you've got everyone underneath him who has no idea what's going on, who has no idea where this thing is going. And so it has created a little awkwardness inside the walls of Gillette Stadium and of course, you know, part of all of that is the fact that there's the assumption that Gerard Mayo is going to be the next head coach. And one thing that people have noticed is they have these accountability meetings where they hold everybody accountable after the game. It's something they've done for years and years and years. So this isn't new. But one thing that people that I talk to at least have noticed is how he has been every bit as hard on the defense as he has been on the offense. The defense, of course, has played a lot better than the offense. He's actually doing a lot of his work right now on the offensive side of the ball. He's worked a lot more with the offensive line since Adrian Clem um, took leave. And so there are some people in the building who have taken that as, oh, well, you're taking shots at the defense. Are those shots at Gerard? So just a weird time in general, but that is one thing that has stuck out is how he's been every bit as hard on the defense as he has been on the offense, even though the defense has outplayed. So again... Same things that he's always done. <laughs> it's the same things that he's always done for years and years. And again, it's the sources have said, some experts agree, someone speculated that. It's, it's Shaq, it's if, if, Shaq in post, if you have the, if you can find it, the clip should go right here where Brady talks about how hard Belichick was on him in particular in accountability meetings. Coach, and you know, I think what's so interesting is is listening to you guys. Um, it, it just reminds me of how you treated Tommy like you treated everybody else on the team, even after you won the first, second, third Super Bowls, that he rose to become a superstar in the eyes of the public. But once he came into your building, he was one of those 53. And if you had to point out something, you pointed out something to him. And if you had to call him out, you called him out. Uh, can you just kind of take us through uh, your your inner thinking on that and, and the wherewithal that that takes to not allow somebody to get bigger than the organization because you're trying to win a game and it takes everybody. Yeah, you know, really, uh, Jim, that was as much a part of Tom as it was me, you know, because there were a couple meetings, uh, you know, where I would say something to Tom after the meeting, like, 
hey, you know, I didn't really, you know, think that was that bad, but I just want to include you and everybody in there with everybody else. And Tom would say, coach, you have to, if you don't yell at me, then what am I going to do with all the rest of my teammates? I got to be in there with all the rest of them and say, hey, he's yelling at all of us. And like, we all got to do better. But if you leave me out of it, then, then I don't really have a platform to work from. So yeah, go ahead and rip my ass too. Go ahead. And so I got the green light on that. I went ahead and took it. But, and I think that players always, they always come back to me and say, Hey, the first meeting, Belichick got on Brady. I'm like, Christ, if he's going to talk to Brady like that, like I better be straight. I, you know, I know what's going to happen to me. And, and Tom's, you know, acceptance of that. And also then his ability to lead his teammates by putting himself in the same boat with everybody else of like, yeah, we all got to do a better job. You know, he's after me, just like he's after everybody else. Let's go. Um, that's a tremendous platform to lead from. And Tom recognized that. And yeah, you know, was he our best player? Did he make the fewest mistakes out there and all that? Yeah, but everybody can do better. Every coach, every player, no matter how great they are. And, you know, if you're really looking and striving for, for perfection, then we all want that. I want to be a better coach. Tom wants to be a better player, you know, and, and so does everybody else. You know, Law wants to be a better corner and Logan Mankins wants to be a better guard and all that. And Rob Gronkowski wants to be a better tight end. And if you can tell him something to help him be better, a real competitor will appreciate that. And uh, and actually where mm-hmm. I got that from was Coach Knight. And because Coach Knight told me that's what he did with Michael Jordan on the Olympic team. He said, you know, Michael, I'm going to rip your ass just like because I can't rip some of these other guys without ripping you. And Jordan said, hey, bring it on because I that, I need that and that'll help me with my teammates. And, and uh, it, it was kind of a similar thing, you know, with Tom. He was – he told me he appreciated it. I don't know really sure or not appreciated it because he yeah. talks frequent he talked frequently might have been in the nfl 100 but it was about like how he would call everyone out including brady so it didn't matter how how, how well you played which is again as you're saying par for the course I, and then and then not only and then after the video comes out he does a about face, just like Tom Curran did with that story about about um, the decision being imminent or whatever the words they love to use. So and then he says, "So I wouldn't call it tension, but there have been some things that have been noticed." Uh, what what? The, that's this is so weird. One is that Bill Belichick is spending a lot of time at the offense, especially since Adrian Clem took leave. Another is he's been tough in holding the defense accountable. Okay, that's basically what you said in the video. So I guess that isn't necessarily a backtrack as much as it is a repeat of what you said. So that's not even a report. It's it's this is this is what counts as media in this market. And unfortunately, fans don't fans want this. This is what they want. They 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 don't want more. They this is what they want. Vinny, I mean, it's it's indicative of where where this media is when they're allowed by you know pretty much ownership to just go on and just speculate and say whatever they feel no i i i mean how do you tom current i mean it's not sorry one second but it's what <laughs> i'm sorry i can do this i'm sorry but um no it's tom kern is a i mean i know we were talking about Breer, but 
Breer is just doing this like from his couch and you know he's getting the text like he's actually like maybe in the story he's that that's kind of currently unfolding with Kern is he's kind of a bit player right now he I don't think he's found a way to wiggle himself into it well actually I did this like it, there's no way he's been overemphasizing his importance Kern kind of saying Kern kind of uh kind of like it seems like whenever something it, like things are finally about to die down things are kind of getting a little boring um current kind of comes in by the way i've been sitting on this belichick bomb cell for three weeks that his fate was decided in germany you know that he was gone and he's going to play out the string and then he says prefaces by saying things can change. And it's like, well, things, what does that mean? You said it was decided and they're going to play out the string. And the, I think what's odd about it is, so is uh, the arrogance when people ask him when, uh, when people ask him like, well, why were you sitting on this? And what do you, what do you mean? Mean things could change. And I think what also bothers me is when <laughs> uh, what also would bother me <laughs> is Nikovitz had this good point. He has a little podcast and like a little there was a little TikTok clip of it clip of it. It's like there's only three people who would know for certain Belichick's fate, and that's and that's Robert Kraft, Jonathan Kraft, and Bill Belichick. And, like, why would Tom Curran be involved in this? And the only reason he would be involved in this – I'm so sorry. The only reason that he would be involved in this is um, someone leaked it to him. But if one of the crafts – and it was probably Jonathan, because I don't think Kraft has – Kraft's going to have his little fingerprints in this decision, but I don't think he has the wherewithal to, like, plant the seeds or do a trial balloon. Or like, well, what if I did fire Bill? Um but, but if, if Nikovic said, if, if that's how it's going to be, and I'm a dead man walking, after, you're, and you let Tom Curran in on this of all people, like, it wasn't even a scoop. This is a leak. Then, all right, then well, what's stopping me from taking my ball and going home? And I don't think fans ever ask those questions to themselves. And I don't think the media ever asks those questions. Like you said, like, it's the media the fans want. And it's the media the fans deserve. I mean, they, they deserve Andrew Callahan and his ilk asking the same questions to Bill over and over again. You know, because we lose if we don't ask him, what are you going to do? Uh, what's your employment situation? You know, uh, it's funny how also like Bert Greer saying Bill is, pre is proceeding as business as usual. Like, what did he say? He He's in fr like last Friday, he did like work relating to the upcoming draft and it's like that's really funny how that passed off as he does uh, as nothing so it's like okay that's nothing that he's has that he's just doing his job and it's not like oh i'm not it's not brandon staley where it's like oh i'm fired i don't know when but i'm definitely getting fired it's you know like, uh it's uh i'm doing my job and it's fitting into the whole season where I know this is about the media, but it's fitting into the whole season where it's like 
you know, for a guy that's one foot out the door, Bill Belichick has not really coached like he has one foot out the door. He's kind of coached like, no, I'm going to be here next year. What are you talking about? Like, I'm going to do, I'm going to scout. I'm going to, I'm not going to check out. The players don't seem to be checking out at all. I don't know. And I know I was rambling, but it really, I just don't get it. I'm so exhausted with this. Like, it, does anyone, I'm sorry to hijack the topic, but does anyone really believe that report that he's gone? Or like, if he's gone, it has anything to do with that report? Because it just seems like if he's right, it seems incidental, because how would he know? It. I don't believe the report because of the way he continues to backtrack on it. It's, he said, you know, oh, it's decided this is happening. And then he went to the subject to change. And then when Rappaport's report came out, he then quote tweets it and says, oh, so it, it was they've, – they've sort of landed on something and things could change, so I'm right, even though Rappaport literally says – and I implore people who are trying to defend Tom Curran to read Rappaport's article that he posted, not just the tweet. It literally says no decision has been made. At, so how can you say a decision has been made? Oh, but it could change, and then no decision has been made, and quote tweet that and say, oh, so I'm right if this is right. He's just saddling it up and just taking it, walking it back, so that every, well, no matter what, he can retweet something and go, see, my initial report was right, because I said exactly what Rappaport did, because I quote tweeted this tweet when it came out. It's covering his ass. There's no way he has insight. Could he be right? Who knows? You know, Broken clocks are right twice a day, but that doesn't mean they work. And Tom Curran is a broken clock. That's what he's been for a number of years now when he isn't, you know, deeply caressing the innards of Tom Brady Sr. He is a broken clock. And I just have absolutely no patience for the – because it's not, you know, Andrew Callahan, oh, we do this for the fans. We do – bull. The way that these reports are being leaked and then defended and backtracked – is self-preservation and an attempt to utilize what they feel is the end of Bill Belichick's tenure as a way to leapfrog them to the front of the line with the next coach that comes in, with the ownership, to seem connected, to get a spot on Sports Hub or, you know, I guess the ghost of WEI at this point with their ratings under two. Their ratings would have a GPA that wouldn't qualify for college. Like, it's it's silly. And, and I'm just – I'm over the concept of Tom E. Curran and Breer and all of it. Like Breer's report is no better, and Jack, you're absolutely right. It's no better. But I don't want to let Tom E. Curran off the hook because somebody else did the same thing from the comfort of his couch. Tom E. could have done that exact same report from the comfort of his couch, and it wouldn't have changed a damn thing about it. It was an attempt to be first. Likely, from you know, and I know we're like, oh, would it be Jonathan? Would it be? Here's what I think, you know, because since I can just spew whatever theory I want, and that's reporting now, because Tom East Cohen says so. So I, my impression would be that somebody very connected he would talk to would be Tom Brady Senior, who might be asking Tom Brady Junior, "Hey, Tom, what do you think's going to happen to Bill at the end of the year?" Oh well, you know, 
it, you know, I know craft pretty well, and I think this might happen. Oh, okay. And if he said anything but he's locked in, secure, and all of this, Tom Sr. would also want to dance on the grave of Bill Belichick for a reason I cannot understand. And would go right to Tommy and be like, oh, I think it's over. I think they've made the decision. You should you should run with that. Because I think his only true sources were linked to Brady. I think he's been locked out since Brady left. Because what news has Tom Curran broke since Brady's departure that didn't have something to do with Brady? He's. I don't think he's been a real reporter for, what, five years now? Because... Uh, once upon a time, he used to be good, right? Or no, he was always this bad. Because I remember, like, no, looking he was at solid, him. Like, but he was solid because he had the Brady camp as a source. And so yeah, all was... of a sudden, when things started to go sour, he went from reporting what was happening because he had a source in the building that was telling him what's going on to he had somebody that had a vendetta or an agenda reporting news to him to be the mouthpiece for that agenda. And listen, that's not me saying that every other reporter doesn't have an, doesn't have somebody with an agenda in their ear. We can all look at different reporters and go, and that's the Belichick camp, and that's the Kraft camp, and that's the Brady camp, and that's the Chiefs camp, and that's the league camp. You can always point to that. But Tommy Curran Wait. is one of the worst offenders of that in the world. He just he is just he just is so synonymous with the Brady sources that at the, and the Brady camp that at this point he just has no sources left and is trying to infer what will happen based on historical knowledge that he's getting from a secondhand source. Who do you think would be the Belichick guy? I don't know. I don't, who is the Belichick guy? Schefter has been in the past. Shackabai. Yeah, Schefter and... Uh... I was gonna say Jeff Darlington, but that's more of Tom Brady's uh, camp, really. Yeah, yeah, and Rappaport that's all he has. Rappaport tends to be more the crafts, right? Yeah, yeah. Jonathan, Jonathan in particular, and I think yeah. the posts of today and of the last couple of days have been Jonathan, and there are uh, there's some uh, speculation that Jonathan, uh, you know, I. I I don't have a lot of trust in the crafts in particular, Robert especially, but Jonathan hasn't really given me anything to write home about either, especially when you're renewing contracts with 985 The Sports Clan, and apparently he's a fan of Felger and Mass, which that does not bode well for, you know, if, if you're defending that show, that will, of course you're not going to be defending your own team. It's, it's so backwards, it's crazy. But I want to... I want to uh, play this clip uh, before we uh, get going. Uh, Dave Kulain, um from Barstool um, had this amazing takedown on TikTok of Greg Bedard. And it's worth listening to because um, anytime you can take down that asshole Greg Bedard is a good thing. So uh, let's listen to this. Bill Belichick. All right, this man has a list of demands for Patriots coach Bill Belichick. I hate him. All right, before we dive into the demands, his name, Greg Bedard, he runs the Boston Sports Journal. He covers the team. He's, I guess you could say, a beat reporter, but he thinks he's an analyst. The reality is the guy thinks he belongs on the sidelines and not in the press box, and he's angry about it. 
So he puts out a column today with all these demands if Bill Belichick is going to stay. Bill Belichick, who's made this franchise what it is, obviously the owner has done that as well. Obviously Tom Brady contributed. Obviously Bill Belichick contributed. But here are the demands that Greg Bedard, of all people, the dumbest of the dumb with no sources who just makes up things left and right. These are his demands. Belichick must be an open book and take complete responsibility in detail for the Patriots' failures since the end of the 2021 season in front of the media in a press conference that is only finished when all the questions have been answered. Shut up, Greg Bedard, you fat idiot. I'm sorry, I can't swear, so like fat idiot just kind of came out. Here are the questions. Why'd you let Brady walk out the door? Why didn't you get his replacement lined up after trading Jimmy Garoppolo? You're such an idiot, Bedard. You're legitimately an idiot. Do you in your market have a Greg Bedard? Any sport, any team, whatever. Do you have an idiot who just makes up things? He should never be allowed to cover this team. Stacey James, who runs PR for the Patriots, why you let this guy near this team is... I can't swear on this platform. Is absurd. Just the worst guy on the beat. He left at one point and went to the Las Vegas Review Journal... Nobody knows why he got fired, like, legitimately 24 hours later. Absolutely absurd. Do you have a guy like this idiot in your market? I'm telling you, any team, any sport, whatever, who just makes things up, who wants the team to just cater to them, who wants the coach to cater to his every move. The guy is the worst. Couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, it's amazing. And our our buddy... about Barstool. Thumbs up on that one. Absolutely. That was was a primo takedown. I I just want to... Oh, sorry. Go, go, go. Sorry. No, sorry, I was go. gonna say. I was gonna say. Uh, our buddy Vincent, um, great listener of ours. Um, I'm gonna read his tweet because he has some questions for Greg Bedard that we would like to. I, I say we as a uh, you know as brain cells, people with brain cells. We want to know why did he hire known racist Mike Loiko? Why can no one verify his story about Aaron Hernandez? Why has he never divulged what he knows about Christian Barmore? Does he regret his comments about Gronk, James White, and others? And does he get his pleasure from his submission to Felger and Maz? Again, I guess all these questions will be answered after the World Series. Yeah, I, I would like to add to that list of questions. What are your podcast numbers, Greg? You certainly what your, yeah, what, what are your numbers? What are your numbers? Your live show with two viewers did real well, didn't it? Nick, Nick Cattles <laughs> came crawling back, so I'm sure he's doing just fine. He came crawling. <laughs> yeah, you know, the sports media done exactly the same way, but way fucking worse. And I'll swear because that gentleman could not. And you know, I, I you know I said it at the start, like you know I know Barstool has its its problems, and we've we've hit on some of that yep. during different episodes of the pod here. But that's a good like that's a damn good take. And I genuinely don't know if any other outlet has the, you know, and, and again, this is the, you know, describe a pop culture reference bingo piece of anybody's bingo card for Entitled Weekend. But if anybody remembers the monorail episode of The Simpsons, <laughs> yeah, where, where the guy swindles them into buying a monorail and it like collapses the second that he walks away, that's Greg Bedard in a nutshell. He does no actual work. What he does has no value. It does not stand on its own. And when anybody gets wiser, he bails. That's why Go he got away, fired. But that's why he got. Oh, I'm sorry. He got. That's why he got laid off. Before it's why he got. Why he mysteriously disappeared from the Las Vegas Review Journal. It's why people keep leaving his platform. And it's why he keeps having to bring in new people that will kowtow to him 
and who knows how much they will, you know, and they're desperate for a job. So they take it because they're until they can get something at a more exclusive place like CNLS or, you know, Boston Sports Football Focus or something, you know, anything with New the England, words Boston. New England, New England Sports, uh, uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he pays them in bits of string and clout until they can go somewhere else like go go you know, away he, there was there I, was I, no like, sorry go i had a joke sorry go maybe he pays them i i like maybe he pays them but like oh, i don't I'm know how much he, he possibly can i don't know how much he possibly can with his terrible numbers i'm sure he doesn't cuz i think 2 3 years ago there was a scuttlebutt over paying your interns and i think Bedard is kind was on the side of not paying your interns i'm 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 I don't think he pays them very well, but that, cause I think the profession isn't really that lucrative anyway. Uh, yeah. I'm I mean, sorry. It, if he's paying them, he's paying them with the money he's making off of being the uh, lap dog for Felger and Maz and being there, you know, pinata once a week. I am sorry, Bill, that I, I I'm sorry Fib, that I kept uh, talking over you. I had the Simpsons joke in my head, go away. There was no Boston sports journal and there never was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry that I. No, kept... you're good. You're good. No, uh, but I love a good Simpsons reference. Oh uh, no, nah, that that's my life. Does Greg uh... Bedard need? Does Greg Bedard need braces? Dental plan. <laughs> he ain't. He ain't <laughs> fucking Lisa. Lisa's smart. Lisa's smart. Lyle Landley was a smoozer. Greg Bedard really. Oh, he... no. Lyle Landley was a smoozer. Greg Bedard's a loser. Lyle Landley could sell you stuff. I don't know if Greg Bedard could sell anybody anything. It, it's weird because. Uh, Fib, you said stuff like we have, you know, different camps of people, uh, you know, the craft camp, the bill camp, but I never really get that sense in Boston that it's as diverse as that. It really feels like this is one camp uh, trying to overwhelm the ownership that is very perceptive and weak-willed against outside presser and I, I don't I just don't see like I don't see Belichick really leaking a lot of stuff uh to anybody and I'm sorry to go off on another topic here it's funny Bedard wanted Bill to own up to everything that went wrong with the Patriots season since 2021 but he his top two topics are things that happened before 2021 I want you to talk about everything that went wrong after 2021. Okay, why did Tom Brady walk out the door? Why did you trade Jimmy Garoppolo? And another thing, and another thing, he I think he plagiarized Karen Garigian because Karen Garigian recently said, here are the 14 questions I would ask Bill Belichick. I think she did that two weeks ago. And uh, it was around the same, uh, same questions. It was the same tone of voice. Uh, I don't understand. <laughs> like, so not only was it a self, serving over emphasizing your importance just an arrogant crass writer it was plagiarism <laughs> it was <laughs> yeah all right I, I, I yield the... I, I will say and i know shaq you're 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 ready to jump into closing things out here but i will say you know what i'll agree with greg bedard on one thing i would love to see a press conference where nobody could leave until bill belichick answered every question they had in full because it would be the Hotel California and the media would be entrapped in one room forever and have nothing new they could report on. 
because they'd be sitting there in fucking silence for the rest of time. Because Bill Belichick would stand there snorting into the microphone till the end of existence before he answered every question the media wanted him to answer. So I am here for the Hotel California press conference because Volan and Tommy Curran and, you know, whoever's covering from Dart on that given day. And, you know, maybe they could even like give Breer a bone and let him into the building that day just so he could sit there and be stuck in that room for the rest of eternity. I want the Hotel California press conference now so bad. It would be immaculate because they never would get the answers and it would be my favorite thing of all time. They'd be trapped, never to be seen again, just sitting there listening to endless snorting from Bill Belichick. And I will sleep well tonight thinking of how that would happen. It would be the yeah, equivalent. Okay. It would be the equivalent of that. And here we go. Bingo card. We're describing a gift. It would be that the equivalent of um, that Diddy gif where that contestant and Diddy are staring at each other and it's just back and forth, back and forth. That's what it would be. Because yep, nothing forever. would get done. They would just be staring at each other. It would, uh, it, anyone see Oppenheimer? It would be that scene where the guy, I think his name's Das Hartnett, is interrogating Oppenheimer. But instead of him stumbling through an answer, he would just grumble through it and give a non committal answer and move on with his life. Because I guess like Belichick would probably be, would probably say, well, I'm not trapped in here with you. I'm, you're trapped in here with me. You know, Volan. I, I know we got to get out of here. I'm sorry. But like Volan said, like, oh, the Carolina Panthers would be a great place for Bill because uh, it's an easier market for him. It's like, yeah, I mean, media market firms like, yeah, Ben, he had a he had trouble dealing with you for 20 years. He, it, It's not like he subbed you in a locker every single day. You know, you wore it, him it, down. The nail has never outwitted the hammer. And Volan has delusions of grandeur if he thinks he's the hammer. Uh, Ironhead says he looks in the mirror. I remember this from like three, four years ago. So I'm a nerd and a loser that I remember this. Ironhead said, Ben Volan looks in the mirror and he sees Sam Malone. And I was like, yeah, uh, that sounds about right. He sees this handsome, accomplished uh, gentleman and not this fat idiot. Sad cabbage patch kid. He may be yeah. a hammer. He, he may be a hammer, Bill, but... He's a rubber hammer made by play school. So there's a there's a total difference there. Yes, he 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 thinks he's cooking, but he's using the, you know, the toddler oven that doesn't actually turn on and the gauges are plastic. He'll somehow burn his hand anyway on the toy stove made of plastic. He'd find a way. Not a smart man. Not a smart man. But he he he, he got it he got his uh, Twitter taken away by a crypto scammer how smart can he really be <laughs> and he got and he got a dm uh and used that as a report from uh that that mac jones is an asshole and it's like uh, and uh yeah i'm sorry i talked over you but i thought that was funny but he just took that dm and ran it as a fact he took well what's a funny like 42069's word for it what a guy <laughs> what a guy <laughs> Yeah, the best shout out the globe can the best the globe can do. Yeah, shout out to Nolan for that. That was that's great. That was a uh, oh, he did that. A, a he did that. Yeoman's work. Yeah. Yes, premier Premier League wow. shit right there. Premier League shit right there. Yeah, shout out to him. He's been awesome. He's an awesome follow. 
Yeah, hope to have him on soon. Uh, all right, so we're saving a lot for hopefully the next time we pod because we st- I, I, I still want to break down this uh, current interview that he did on uh, WEEI. Uh, I think it was Fourier and Gresh, which again, I don't I don't know these shows because the, the ratings are 16th, so nobody knows these shows. So we're, we're going to listen for them so you don't have to. Um, but yeah, we're going to do that. And then we're also going to do some lists. So um, we have that to look forward to on the next pod. But until then, you can follow me at Atomic Dog 5150. Bill is at the Fib 0624. Vinny Jace is at Sailboat Studios. You can email us at entitledweekend at gmail.com. We're also on X and Elon Musk's uh, machine uh, on at Entitled Weekend. And until next time, turn off your radio slugs. And there you see it. Welcome back to the wonderful last chapter of the number two. Ta-da. Did I not promise you an exciting visual demonstration of the number two? Mm-hmm. And there you have it. The number two in all its glory. Let us hear it for the wonderful number two. Yay! Hey, uh, smashing demonstration, Grover. Did you ever have one of those days? <laughs>